everyone, and welcome to another amazing episode of The Joy of Being for busy working moms and women in business and beyond who are seeking to unplug from their worries and overwhelm to light up with insight and joy. I, your host, mom, and effortless lifestyle coach Marina Pearson, talk to transformational professionals, business owners, and creatives about what it really takes to have a business and life you can truly enjoy. If you enjoyed the show or had any questions, why not connect with me on Instagram at Marina Pearson? Look out for the show's meme and make a comment there, or just click on my story and ask me a question. Alternatively, you can find me on the Joy of Being Facebook group. And if you would like a more personalized touch to live a stress-free life, then why not find out more about the Joy of Being retreat, an intimate four-day profound experience at a luxury venue in Javier, Spain, where you get to experience your inner calm and peace of mind by slowing down and making space. To find out more, email me at marina marinapearson.com with Joy of Being Retreat in the title. So on today's show, I have the incredible Gemma Stowe. Gemma is the founder of the F Movement, empowering ambitious women to stop hiding, believe in themselves and run unstoppable businesses. Gemma started her career as a probation officer and spent eight years working with vulnerable and dangerous individuals. She loved this role as it matched her core beliefs that everybody has potential and everybody can change. After having her first child, though, Gemma experienced postnatal depression and she had a tough time and knew that she needed to find work that would fit in and be more flexible around her children. Her passion has always been to support others to unlock their potential, truly believing that everyone has their own unique gift to share with the world. Now, what I love about Gemma is her capacity to hit fear straight on. But not only that, she also is really aware enough to know where she's limiting herself. So today we talked about fear, how to actually move through it, what it's all about, and how to challenge those beliefs that you have that stop you from making those bold, brash decisions. Now, we spoke about her journey with fear, but we also talked about how we don't need to take fear so seriously. So if you are in a position at the moment that you're stalling, that you're not making a decision because you're fearful of the outcome, then this is going to be a great episode for you. Enjoy listening. So I'm really excited. I need to find another word for excited because I always use it for every guest I have. So I'm very intrigued. Yeah, I'm very intrigued about this one. Today I have Gemma. She's well, obviously intro. I've already shared what she's up to in the world. And when I read your bio, I was just super intrigued about your transition. And today we're talking about fierce and flow. And I was curious about what happened, like what the transition was for you from probation officer to coach. So yeah, I'm curious because obviously this is all about the joy of being and finding and flow is a really big part of that. So yeah, welcome Gemma. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It's amazing. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of share how I found my fierce and through doing that found my flow, which is definitely a big part of feeling joy and, and feeling content with the world. Um, and I guess it all started when I was a probation officer as this, you know, uh, independent woman, career driven, professional, knew where I was going, in control, that kind of woman. And everything was going really well. And I thought, oh, perfect time to start a family. 
and I had my beautiful daughter Matilda and it was such a shock to my system and I think the biggest shock I felt like I'd lost control I really took a knock to my confidence and I was trying to be somebody who it didn't feel right people were telling me what I should do and I'd never been in that situation it was almost like I was backed into a corner we're doing something that was really different and a real challenge but something I couldn't walk away from because obviously becoming a mum, I've got this beautiful baby who needs me. And I did experience postnatal depression and it was a very tough time and in a dark place. I got the support I needed, which was amazing. And I'm so grateful for that. But what came from that really was that instead of feeling like I should be someone else and that I should be this mum who then, you know, does everything for the family, stays at home, all this kind of pressure on me to be somebody else. I decided to look for what really lights me up and and it was working. And I decided not to go back to probation. I decided I wanted to work for myself and have that freedom and flexibility so I could be with my family and work when I needed to as well. So I set up a business from scratch. It was a big challenge. And I remember meeting um, an estate agent looking at property and I had Matilda on my chest in a carrier and she was like four months old and he was like you starting a business I'm like yeah of course what's wrong with that right (laughs) perfect time to do it when you've just had a baby but it was for me and it kind of found myself again I realized what it was that I needed and it was to help other people and work because working I am people who know me would call me a workaholic but, you know, working's in my blood as long as I'm doing work that I love. And that's the most important thing. So, yeah, I set up a business which worked with young people with challenging behaviour. So it was kind of a progression from probation. And it was an amazing business. And I, we worked there, built it up from scratch for about eight years. We won awards. I had staff. It was great. There was a commute. So it was long hours. And I had another a little boy as well. And it was great. I loved it. But, you know, a lot of the red tape and things that come with doing that kind of work, working with schools and councils, that was quite tough as well. And I think almost took an element of that freedom I was looking for away. So I did close that company. And then I've started doing what I do now, which is absolutely awesome. Because for the first time, <laughs> Maria, first time in um, over 15 years, I've worked with people who want to work with me. So I've always been in that position as a probation officer, as uh, working with young people with challenging behaviour. They've not necessarily chosen to work with me. Yet now I get to work with women who want change, who are ready. So for me, it's very empowering as well to do what I do now. That's really cool that you saw that because what I'm really hearing in this story is that you are able to get clear on what it is you wanted, but it was through taking action that you saw what wasn't working for you and what was working for you. And often we can just get so caught up in the day-to-day, keep going, keep going, keep going, but we don't kind of stop and we kind of reflect to going, actually, this isn't working for me. I think that that's just as important as things that you go, yeah, this is working for me. Mm -hmm. For personally, for me, I've seen moments where I've just gone, this isn't working. Yeah. That's been a huge defining moment usually. Have you seen, especially with the women you work with, that they're so afraid of those moments because they think it defines them? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's also about it defines them in that they then have to do something about it. So it's like you, ha- you acknowledge something is not quite right or it's not what you want to do and you really want to do something else. But then because you've acknowledged it, because you've said it out loud and it's not just a thought in your head, 
you have to then act on it. And I think that can be quite scary. It's almost like that fear of success as well, right? Mm. Yeah, and maybe there's a sense of like, I've worked so hard to build this up and now my feeling is I want to change direction, but it means everything that I've done up until now has been a waste of time. Yeah, definitely. And I had a massive breakthrough when I was running my first business. I did hire a mentor and it was about... (laughs) It was probably about nine months before I actually closed it. Now, if you asked him, he would probably say he failed me, but actually didn't. And working with him opened up my eyes to the fact that I was holding on to this. It was almost a guilt, but it was a bit more than that. It was almost like I considered myself to have failed at being the thing that should have come naturally. So when I had personal depression, you know, it wasn't obvious. It was something I was carrying with me. But to be able to see that for what it was, that I was carrying this feeling of failing at being a mum. And if I could fail at that, then how could I be successful at anything else? And it was a huge awakening for me to realise that I needed to let that go. I was a great mum. I was always there for my children. I mean, it shows now in the fact that they know exactly what I do. They love the F movement. They love the fact that I always talk about the word fierce. And they come on the journey with me. and. I guess being able to let that go was a huge turning point for me to say, actually, what do I really want? Is this working? Is this business, you know, giving me what I want? Is my passion still there? And it wasn't. It was the constraints that were put on me. But I wanted to run a business the way I wanted to run it. That's what I was looking for. And I think helped me make that decision to close the business and start something new. Yeah, I mean, I can really see how that would be a really super important moment in anybody's life. But so often we can get so caught up in this is how, this is how I'm going to keep doing it. This is how I'm going to keep doing it and make this, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. At what point do you just decide that that's enough? Because it seems to me that often we can keep going at something, but it's so tirelessly not happening. Yeah, that we get one more push. <laughs> yeah, totally. I've been there. I get that, that one more push feeling. And for me, the biggest, you know, almost light bulb was living in indecision is the hardest place to be. And I couldn't make that decision. It was almost like a massive weight on my shoulders of, do I give it one more push? Do I quit? Because that's what it felt like I was doing, like I was giving up. And that's just not in my nature. And to be able to live with that indecision, it's like, I honestly describe it as like a limbo of hell because that's what it feels like. You don't know where to go, who to turn to, who can almost say, do this and this will work out. And you have to be, you know, responsible to yourself and say, look, I've got to get honest with myself. Is this working? Even if I give it one more push and this happens, will I be happy? Will I find joy, I guess? And as soon as I decided that's it, I'm closing the business, this weight was lifted. Yes, there was a lot of work to do, lots of loose ends to tie up, staff to look after, but the weight was gone. And I think just, I take that forward now in business and I do not spend too long overthinking, you know, convincing myself, talking myself out of different things. It's just like, make the decision, stick with it and then see what unfolds from there. Hmm. So... You now help women to find their fierce. And what does that entail? Because obviously you're talking about fierce and flow and flow, as I said, is a major state of joy. So I'm curious about that for someone that feels like, because obviously this podcast is for mums and women mainly who are finding it very hard to straddle both business and life and to actually get enjoyment out of it. 
what can you say to that about someone that really wants to find their flow? Because it's banded around so much. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what flow means to you and also your experience of flow has been. Okay. When I talk about find, helping women find their fears, what I mean by fierce is that inner confidence, so that self-belief and self-worth. And I just use the word fierce. And I know a lot of people have said to me, oh, it's quite aggressive. But it's not meant to be aggressive. It's meant to be something that you find yourself and you commit to and you own it and because it's who you are. And I guess as soon as I started doing that for myself and helping other women do that, that's when I found my flow. It's almost like I've been working my whole life up until this point of being able to, I love asking questions. It's one of the things that I absolutely love to do. And that helps women figure out stuff for themselves, find their fears and find their flow as well. So for me, being in flow is being in that zone. It's being in that place of it's just working and it feels right. I feel aligned with what I'm doing. It doesn't feel like work, work as it used to. It's like time passes so quickly and being in flow for me, I just know that I'm on the right path doing what I'm doing. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah. And for someone that feels like they're not on the right path or they're constantly in the struggle, what could you say about that? What could you share? What stories do you have that might help them? There's been many times where things have not gone right for me and I've constantly, you know, questioned myself. Is this the right thing to do? Should I be doing different things? Am I good enough? Have I got what it takes to carry on? You know, I've had so many failures, if you like. I actually embrace failure now. I didn't always. You know, the F movement is about different F words. And I encourage people to embrace failure because we learn so much. We kind of win or learn. We don't actually fail at things. And it's about changing your mindset to try new things. If you're stuck in that place where you're struggling and things are feeling on top of you and you're overwhelmed, it's about trying new ways of living, new ways of working and seeing what feels right, I guess. And also getting that self-awareness, because I think that's so important to be able to recognize what you're saying to yourself and what the thoughts are that are creeping in. And that's usually self-doubt. I like to call a little miss self-doubt that creeps in and starts whispering stuff in your ear about how you're not good enough or you're doing the wrong thing or this isn't right. And really recognize that. And you almost learn to spot it a mile away and then you can see it come in and you can almost deal with it differently. That's what, how I look at kind of being in flow and finding my fears. Hmm. So for someone that is, is in that place of self-doubt, maybe it's a really big decision that they have to make and they're not quite sure what way to turn. You know, how do we know we're making the right decision? And do we ever know? Or is it just a question of just making a decision and going with it and sticking by it? It's a great question. And I guess you just have to make a decision. It's a bit like that famous quote, isn't it, of if you think you're right or you think you're wrong. It's really interesting because a lot of people get stuck in the limbo that I mentioned before of not making a decision. I think you need to just make one or the other and go with it and see how that works out and almost look at it as being curious and it's an experiment. So this fear kind of paralyzes people that it's going to be the wrong decision. Instead of looking at it as the wrong decision, maybe look at it as in an experiment, you're being curious, you're going to try something out. If it works out, it does. If it doesn't, then you change path. Um, But I think being stuck in that limbo of indecisiveness is worse than making a decision, if that makes sense. Yeah, unless, of course, the person decides that they're going to 
berate themselves for the regret that they have for making the decision that they thought that was right one at the time. But what I've seen is that we're always just making decisions on what makes sense to us in that moment. Like, I'm sure there are many behaviors you used to have, Gemma, that you don't have anymore that used to make sense to you. I don't know, one for me might be drinking way too much to stop a lot of the overthinking that I had at the time. That makes no sense to me anymore. Like that wouldn't be a reason why I drink. I drink because I fancy a glass of wine, not because I need to stop any kind of thinking. Or I don't know, going out until well, as of the morning, going clubbing. That used to make sense to me at one point. It doesn't make sense to me anymore. So what are some of the things for you? Um, oh gosh, great question. I love that because I suppose that's exactly what I was saying about the self-awareness and realizing that it doesn't make sense anymore for you and that you've kind of moved on from that and you've got different ways of dealing with overthinking and that kind of stuff. Um, I can relate to you on there, having a glass of wine and, you know, and going out. I can relate to those things. And actually, one thing I really love to do now is escapism is brilliant when you've got a busy mind and you've got a busy life and you're juggling children and family and business and I love movies so I guess I've almost changed my behavior and I do that now and I can do that with other people as well in my family and that's a really nice way for me to stop working and stop thinking (laughs) overthinking everything and I love that so yeah it's a great question though what I'm going to think about actually <laughs> don't overthink it yeah go watch a movie and just let the answer come so you, you can still live your life you don't have to overthink this question that's it though isn't it it is the answers do come and I do journal a lot now that and I didn't used to do that and I guess my thoughts were just whizzing around my head now I can get them out on paper it does help it does really help so it's like I said, trying new ways of doing things and seeing what works for you, I guess. Yeah. And you know that you can have so much. I spoke to someone about this the other day in one of these podcasts, but it feels like it's pertinent again to this conversation, which is all about the joy of experimentation. And, you know, I've got my son who, and you've got your kids, right? And anyone else that's listening has children. They are totally immersed in the joy of experimentation. Like I see Leo playing with water and just going, well, what if I do this? What if I do that? From what I can tell, he's not really obsessed by whether he's going to get it right or wrong. He's more in the, what happens if I do this? Or what happens if I do that? And, oh, well, that happened. Well, that happened. I didn't want that to happen. So maybe if I do more of that, that won't happen. And so rather than going right or wrong, it's more of like, well, what is it I'm wanting to get done here? And will that thing take me further away or not? Is that the path? I don't know, but let's just see what happens. Or is that the path? I don't know, but let's just see what happens. And either path is open. You know, it's not just one or two. There's many. It's just feeling into which path you're more curious about, I guess. Definitely. I love that. I love that analogy as well, using the children, because it's so true. They don't focus on right and wrong. Whereas we do, it's like the what ifs, all the negative what ifs, instead of looking at, well, what if this is the the right thing to do? What if this is my path? What if this is going to light me up and I'm going to love it and lead to something else extraordinary? And I think with children as well, just with that analogy, they would never have regret either whether they try it's an experiment so they would try different things and they wouldn't think oh well they would have learned from it they won't regret that they chose that because they would never have learned right so I guess regret is an interesting thing that you mentioned before because it's how we decide we choose to feel and 
and owning those decisions we make, I guess. When I was younger, I had chemistry, right? And we used to do hypotheses. And then we'd have the conclusion was this. This is our hypothesis. And this is actually how it really turned out. Yeah, like if I put this chemical with this chemical, it turns green. Well, no, it didn't actually. It turned red. But how did that happen? Oh, okay, because we mixed too much of that one with this one. Fine. Well, what if we do it this way? Okay, well, it turned green. Great. So now we know this. So my sense of this is that there's no emotional involvement. It's just almost like an observer watching what's going on in that. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that didn't quite work. Okay, well, what if we did this? There isn't that, oh my God, it went all wrong. It was the worst thing that could have ever happened. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that completely. And recently I've been talking to my own clients about a way of almost doing that for ourselves because making decisions, the emotions are there, any baggage, any experiences we've had all come to, you know, the forefront when we're making decisions, even like the limiting beliefs, things that we've heard people tell us who they think we are, who we should be, that all comes to play when you're making a decision. Now, if you take yourself out of that equation and then kind of be a boss of that business and be in control and be somebody who's neutral, what would they do in that situation? And that almost is is exactly what you're saying about the scientific way of doing it, you know? It's taking the emotions out of it. And what would a boss do in that moment? What decision would they make for the business? And do that instead of letting the emotions take over and cloud our judgment sometimes. And sometimes not. It's actually nice to listen to your instincts as well. But it's about being able to do that, I think, and be having that awareness of like, okay, this is my stuff. I'm going to put it to one side. What else could I do? Yeah, because, you know, talking about flow, it's like we're never out of flow. I was reading this great book called Instant Motivation by Chantal Burns. And she talks, it's not about how we get into flow. It's about how we can stay there more of the time. And I love that because what that really said to me was that our innate state, you know, who we really are is that we are in flow with life. We are life lifing. It's just when we get caught up in our own personal thinking that it gets clouded. Mm -hmm. Have you found that to be true? Yeah, definitely. And it's about trying different ways of being able to uncloud it, I guess, if that's a word. And it's about having that space to get clarity of thought and clear your mind of stuff that is clouding your judgment. And I love journaling that for me, that really helps. A lot of people love meditation. I'm yet to get into that. I actually meditate when I'm running, I think. But sitting down still, I struggle with. It's just not my thing. I've tried it. But journaling and writing and getting my thoughts out really does help me to clear my mind, especially in the morning. I think that's so powerful for me to get up early before the world wakes in my house and just have some time for me to start writing my thoughts out. And that feels like I'm in flow when I do that. And a lot of creative ideas come from that. Well, it sounds to me like that just made sense to you one day to do that. You know, there tends to be the sense of like, well, if you do this, then this. And this is for everybody. And actually what I've come to see, it's really not true because what you were saying about running, yes, that is a meditation. There's a difference between meditating and being in a meditative state. And what I've come to see is that meditative states can happen to us any point in our day like I've got a friend of mine she's a bubble artist and she does bubbling and makes balloons and that's her meditative state that's when she goes into that place of flow because that's her thing 
kind of what comes to me as we're having this conversation is there's always going to be areas of our lives, I think. And I don't know, is this true for you? And have you seen it with your clients where they have certain areas of their life where they don't see it very clearly at all, but you do. And then they come to see it more clearly. Like, I don't know, for example, let's take a theme. What's a major theme that some of your clients get really bogged down in that they can't see very clearly? I think it's that fear of what other people are thinking of them. Cool. Do the business. So the whole kind of what people say about me and that sort of thing, the judgment side of other people judging me. But the interesting thing is, is, is the more time they spend time in exploring that theme, the less it will bother them. Like I've really, like often we want to run away from that. What's been your experience of that, Gemma? Well, I guess for me is a big thing and it was for me. So I understand when I work with clients and they say to me, oh, well, we unpick it. There's usually a few excuses on the surface. And when we dig deep, we find out they're actually really worried about what people are going to think of them. We're going to judge them. What are they doing? They're not good enough. All that kind of stuff. And I've found the best way to get past it is to do the thing that scares you. So to actually put yourself out there. And I've seen women go from being totally paralyzed by what other people will think, their family, friends, whoever, to sharing their vulnerabilities and actually going on this journey themselves. And as they share, the more they put things out there to the world for everybody to see and cast judgment, the stronger they become. And it's almost like the action is the thing that gives them confidence in the end. And I think that is really powerful because otherwise we don't do it and we decide to brush it under the carpet and walk away and try something else. That's almost like us telling ourselves we can't do it anyway. So the confident, you're knocking your own confidence in that respect. So for me, action, doing the thing that scares you the most. Yes, it's scary. Don't get me wrong. I've I've done a lot of things that scare me and I will continue to do that because it is the thing that gives you the confidence. I don't know about you, but usually when you've kind of made, I don't know, like I'll give you an example because examples seem to be easier rather than esoteric. So last year, I don't know, September, October of to about 2016, my husband at the time asked for a, he didn't want to be in the relationship anymore. A few months back, I was like, oh my God, that would be the worst thing that could have ever happened. I would, don't know what I would do. I, you know, and so forth. But actually, yes, there were moments that were very, very difficult, but there were also moments that were actually really peaceful and calm. And I remember us taking a walk to the beach and me feeling like all of this chatter was going on, but feeling very, very grounded and knew that everything was going to be okay. And what I realized is that I will never know how I'm going to feel when I do that very thing. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what my experience will be. And so often we can project how we're going to feel, what's going to happen. And I've come to see we are the worst predictors of our future. Like seriously, like so bad at that. Like totally, really crap. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) But yet we convince ourselves that we're so good at it. (laughs) right. And then we look for evidence to confirm that. And that's the thing. That's what we do. And it's interesting you say that because when I was a probation officer, the biggest prediction of future behavior is past behavior. That's what the theory that we worked on, which was scientific-based, research-based, everything. But with you saying that, it's really interesting because it just came to me and I thought, that's not what I work with now. I work with the unknown. And actually, you don't know what's going to happen if you put yourself out there, if you take that 
risk if you make that decision. You have no idea. We don't know the future at all. Nobody does. So, yeah, it's great. It's really resonated with me what you just said, actually. Yeah, and I remember a mentor of mine saying, yeah, I don't know anything about the future. I don't even know what thought I'm going to think next. And there's a sense that somehow we picture the future as a complete equation. We've got it down. It's like this and it's like this and, you know, 2.4 children and this, 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 this. And I'm, you know, if I did this, then this is going to happen and blah, blah, blah. And actually we don't know because we haven't had the insights yet. So it's like insight is effectively what will change the course of where we go and what we do. But we're having that moment. I remember, God, yeah, I remember, I call it the pizza walk. We were told to, so then I was at a seminar and I was told, okay, so now I'm going to get you to, after the break, going to get you to walk into a shop, definitely doesn't sell pizza and ask for it. (laughs) And I felt my hands go clammy, sweaty, going, no fucking way am I doing that? No way. No way. Images of how people will look at me and how awful it was going to be. And oh my God, like, no, I don't do that. And, you know, he said, okay, so how many of you are going to do this? And there weren't very many of us that put our hands. In fact, I stood on my hands and I was like, no way. (laughs) And he's like, well, how many of you actually had really had a physical experience? And I said, me, I had clammy hands. I was kind of beginning to sweat. And he's like, well, how many of you left the room? And that's when it really struck me that I'd been sitting there this entire time. I'd had a physical experience of the fear, but I'd actually not done that very thing. And so I was like, oh, I went and did it, and it was so much fun. That's really powerful, isn't it? To be, put yourself and your mind and your body that is it impacted by someone just suggesting something? And that fear comes and hits you. You've not even done it yet. It's crazy. It's such a powerful thing. Well, we are so powerful, right? We have this incredible capacity to think and to create in our mind's eye this future that doesn't even exist. That's how powerful we are. You know, as a mother, like... <laughs> I've had moments where Leo, I haven't, you know, the other day I couldn't find him. We were playing hide and seek and he'd gone really quiet. And I was like, oh my God, where's he gone? I went outside. There was no sign or tell of him. Came back in. We were calling for him. Couldn't find him. I was that moment. I was like standing in front of the TV cameras going, please give my son back. I will pay anything for him. Don't we? We imagine it. We imagine. And you're right in it. You're totally in the scenario. Well, here was the interesting thing. I suddenly hear my partner say to me, he's downstairs. So we went downstairs and he was lying underneath the bed and he was there with his feet moving from side to side, happy as Larry. And I was just like, wow, wow, that's what we do. That's what we do. Imagine the power if we'd flip it and do it in a positive way. So the way we can imagine, I mean, it's visualization, I guess, is the technique people refer to. But we, you know, imagine using that power to create positive scenarios in your head and that you play out. I mean, that would make you feel different again, right? Yeah. And you don't know whether any of that will ever happen. So it's in that moment that you have the capacity to create that movie, but it's not necessarily what's going to play out. And I love that because it just means that 
you can still carry on regardless. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And building up that sense of, you know, because instead of the fear, it could be the enjoyment and feeling great about doing things that actually do scare you, but trying to flip that in your mind to feeling good about it and positive about it rather than fearful all the time, which is keeping you stuck, which is stopping you from moving forward. But have you found, though, that you can still feel the fear and still carry on forward regardless of how you feel? Oh, gosh, yes. I don't think fear disappears. I don't think it can, really, because it's part of who we are and we have to have it. I mean, years ago, obviously, it was there. Our brain's like, oh, this is new. Don't like this. And fear kicks in to say, no, let's not try anything new. Let's just stay safe where we are now. So, yeah, you've got fear. Fear doesn't go anywhere. And I think it's about accepting that, that it's going to be with you and taking it with you along for the ride. I love that. It's almost like fear becoming your friend. It's there for a purpose, but it's not there to be your enemy or to do anything to you. Yes, exactly. And it's, it's just identifying that something's new. Something and, and excitement and fear go really close. It gives you the same physical feelings. So I think it's really important to recognize fear and then do it anyway and not let it stop you from doing something that actually you are a little bit excited about to do. <laughs> That reminds me, I heard somewhere, yeah, it was Gay Hendricks, and he says, Love that book. Fear is excitement without the breath. Oh, I love that. Yes, that's great. Is that out of the big leap? It might be. I kind of never finished it. So it might have been in the first few chapters. I can't remember where, maybe it was his wife that I heard it from. Either way, I loved it because it basically means you can breathe into it and you can get excited by it. Yeah, exactly. And I think if we start thinking of it like that, we can use it to fuel us. You know, let fear wake us up, not shut us down. So if someone's kind of doubting that they're in the flow mm-hmm. and they haven't been in flow for a while, they don't think flow is for them, they see other people in flow and they're like, uh, I'm so kind of not in my flow. What have you come to see that this really helped your clients? I would say get them back into flow, but actually spend more time there. Okay. I think the first thing that I would normally say is, what is it that you love to do? And not a lot of people can answer that, you know, that I've worked with. So it's spending some time in that moment and trying to get into flow by just either thinking about it, writing about it, talking to somebody else about it, but somebody you trust who's not going to pass any judgment. But it's got to be, what is the thing that you could talk about all night long and bore everybody else silly, but you are so passionate about it. You've got such a a strength that you want to talk and share and share with the world. I always say that try and get to that point. And yeah, I'm not saying that's going to be a business or it's going to be the path that you take, but it's starting that journey of what really lights you up, what you love and what you really want from this life. And I think once you start there, On that, it will open so many other ideas, opportunities, doors, just to start with it, rather than never acknowledging and being so busy and struggling. And it's the day-to-day, isn't it? You know, it's like being on this hamster wheel sometimes. you just got to get through the day. You've got to survive and almost winging it, which I do sometimes, but, you know, with purpose. And it's like you're just keeping going. So it's about stopping that cycle and spending some time just for you, figuring that out. Because it changes as well as we grow older. What I heard in that was just take some time out for you and give yourself the time to self-reflect. I think this is such an underused Mm -hmm. resource that we have, which is that 
often we're so on the hamster wheel that we don't give ourselves the time to reflect on the experiment, which is, is this working for me? Is it not? If it's not, what am I doing? Do I really want to do this? Well, no, not really. Or do I? Is this the vehicle I want to be doing it in? Not quite sure. Is it that I want to create an asset and I'm not creating an asset? So therefore, do I need to change the way I'm doing? So often it's so like black or white. It's like I'm leaving this. I'm not doing that. Yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine who runs a, it's not a beauty parlor. In Spanish, it's called mascotetes. It's you take your dog or cat and they get pruned. What is that? I can't remember. <laughs> We've got loads of them here in Spain. You know, they manicure the nails and they... Wow, and, for the animals. That's amazing. For the animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wash their hair and they take them to... What is it? It's not a vet. It's doggy a... Doggy parlor. Doggy parlor. Yes. They have all over. Anyway, she was ready to give it all up. And then she realized... Because she gave herself some time for self-reflection. And she realized that it wasn't actually... She didn't want to give it up. What she wanted to do was to not be so involved in the business all the time. Yeah. But often we can be so like, I'm fucking done with this. I'm leaving. But it's not necessarily that. It's actually giving yourself the time to reflect on what it is. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, definitely. And I think a good example that I could share recently, I've been six weeks ago, I started running and I've always wanted to be a runner ever since I was little. But I've always told myself I can't do it. Always. And I think it stems back to school and cross country and me messing up. Oh, yeah. I totally resonate with that one. <laughs> I don't take it seriously. So I've, I've kind of thought that running is a serious business and that I can't get involved in it and I can't do it. And I found that it's so important to have targets and goals for yourself personally as well as the business. Because what I've found is, as I've done this training and I've followed um, a training program on week six now, which is awesome. And like this morning, I ran for 25 minutes. Nonstop. Amazing. Now for me, that's a huge achievement going from not believing I could do something. And I think it's about busting through those beliefs that we tell ourselves that we can't do it. And like you said about your friend who was like, I've had enough because she was working in the business and not on it. She'd had enough, she wanted to throw it all in. And it's not necessarily, it could be just be one aspect of the business that she needs to find that needs tweaking or needs something different sure. that will make it all fit nicely again, if that makes sense. So I guess, yeah, it's so important. And me just doing this running thing is building my confidence in other areas that I never thought it would. Well, once again, we found that fear was at play. So we found that actually what was really going on for her is that nobody does it as good as me. Nobody does it as well as me. And if I don't actually go in and help, then it will all fall apart. There's an element of her needing to trust the people that she's hired to do the jobs, right? So it was really interesting because it is the belief here, which was the fear here, because she's had an experience where one of her women left and went to set up her own business. But that is no reflection on what's going to happen in the future. And so often we can get, well, that happened, so then it will happen again. But what I hear in the cross-country side of this, it's exactly the same thing, right? It was stopping her from kind of going, actually, if I don't make the change, it will never change. Yeah, exactly. And just trying and just actually... And experimenting it, yeah experimenting and seeing if I do love it because <laughs> I had this picture of what I wanted to be in this strong woman running down the street on her own time out <laughs> 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 
not just being sweaty mess, which is actually what the reality. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? You know, you picture it. So that's the picture that I use because that's what I'm building up to rather than being someone who runs for a minute and then conks out on the floor, you know, and doesn't enjoy it and doesn't like it. And that's what I'm aiming for. And why not? Why not? Why can't that be what I have, you know? We need to experiment and see what we love. Yeah, yeah. And there's a sense of deservingness around this too, which is, is I deserve that too. And why not? I deserve to have a fit and healthy body and I deserve to experiment with this. And I deserve, yeah, I just deserve full stop. So yeah, I love that. And I love the fact that you saw that for yourself because I so get it. Like I used to, oh my God, cross country for me was just like this crucifix on my back at school and it was just like I was never good at it I loved sprinting right Mm -hmm. I was a sprinter I did 100 meters and I was good at that when it came to like an hour of running I was like oh this is so painful (laughs) and we tell ourselves we can't do things and we do that in all parts of our life that we can't do it we can't do what they're doing that comparison thing that you mentioned earlier you know they can do but I can't do it I'll never be able to do that. And it's the language we use is so disempowering as well. Even the language we just say in our heads to ourselves, mm-hmm. never mind the ones that come out of our mouths. So yeah, it's a really interesting thing to kind of spend some time, some self-reflection and ask yourself these questions. What are the things that I think I can't do? What are the things that I would do if I knew I wouldn't fail? You know, ask yourself these questions and write about it and be honest with yourself. And that may change, you know, I think there's a sense of like, those questions aren't, the answers aren't always set in stone, they can change, depending on what insights you've had, where you are in the moment, and so forth and so on. But we kind of go back to do what makes the most sense to you. Common sense, like we all have the capacity for common sense, right? What's the next step? Well, that would make the most sense to me right now. We'll do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do that. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) so Gemma what are you giving yourself permission to do more of these days well running is one thing but also the biggest shift for me I think in business I've always been I'll do what it takes I'll work long hours I'll do you know this this and this and I'll, I'll be everything to everybody that has shifted for me now and I'm more at peace and I give permission for myself to do a few things on my business that are a priority and get good at prioritizing and what's really important, not the busy stuff, the things that are going to make my business grow. And then it's okay if I don't finish the to-do list and it's okay to switch off and be with my family and it's okay to, you know, not be with my family and focus on my business when it needs me, when there's a launch or something that needs that energy. And it's just, I'm giving myself permission that it's okay for me to choose what feels good, I guess. That's lovely. And you know, when you were talking about being with your family and working, I think more of us need to give ourselves permission to do more of that more of the time. And I'm not saying that working is a bad thing because effectively you're, you know, you're serving and helping other people. But I think especially as a mum, we can often get caught up in the work, 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 and then kind of go, actually, I'm doing this all for to have more time to serve with my family yeah exactly (laughs) you don't have the time so for me it's been a bit of an awakening where I almost would work 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 then it'd be family time but while it was family time I'm cleaning and tidying up and you know and not being present and being present is so important I've actually learned from my husband 
where I've seen him, he'll just sit down with the kids on the couch. And I'm almost like a person who can't sit still and there's got to be something I've got to be doing. So I'm trying to give myself permission that that's okay just to be and to sit on the couch mm. and not worry about the house and not worry about the business and just be with my children. And that brings so much joy. I can't tell you. <laughs> well, I totally hear you because that's, yeah, I had to go cold turkey with that. And I stopped doing anything for about six weeks the beginning of this year and came back to it but with a very different way of being around it. So now my son comes home because I used to think I was being present and I wasn't. Like yesterday, I sat with him and played trains. Like in the past, like that would be so painful for me. Yeah, I, I Sitting there and playing trains does not light me up very much. But what I've noticed is that I'm much more present. So I actually really enjoyed building the track yesterday. Brilliant. I love that. And he got bored. And I'm like, no, this is... <laughs> Role reversal. Yeah, totally. He's like, now I've done that. I want to do something else. I'm like, no, we haven't finished the track. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> Give them what they want. They're so like, mommy, 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 I beg your attention. Now you have my attention. They're like, oh, I'm bored. I, I don't, it's not that great, actually. <laughs> Exactly. That's the answer. That's the answer. Give the intention they need and they'll leave you alone. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try that later. Yeah, no, no. That's not what it's all about. By the way, yeah. I'm not like I'm not that kind of mother. Please don't judge me. (laughs) (laughs) So my love, it's been wonderful to have you on the show today. If someone wants to obviously you work with mums and women to find their fears and build unstoppable businesses. So if they want to contact you, how can they do that? My website's got all the information, which is gemmastore.com. But I'm very present on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. So um, I've got a free community, which is an amazing space. And we have mini challenges where it's a platform for women to practice putting themselves out there in the business, talking about themselves, promoting really. The things that kind of sometimes we don't do enough of. That's what my free community is all about. That's the F movement, which is a group on Facebook. That's free. So come and join me there and get to know me. And I'd love to see you over there. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Gemma. It was such a pleasure to have you. And until the next time, bye for now. Thank you so much. And there you have it. Another wonderful episode of The Joy of Being. If you loved what you heard here today and it's been helpful, why not subscribe or share the podcast with others? And if you're curious as to how you can experience more joy in your life and feel carefree, then I invite you to download your Joy Catalyst Scorecard at www.marinapearson.com slash scorecard, which will help you identify the joy gaps and what you can do to fill them. And remember, you can find me on Instagram at Marina Pearson or my Facebook group, The Joy of Being. So until next week's episode, remember... You are the joy you seek.